Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. from NJ Advance Media, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Rutgers rant. Welcome back to a lot of things, right? Right? Oof. We've got, we, we think, we expect, we hope. What's the right verb here, fellas? Is that too loud? We anticipate. We anticipate? Great show, by the way. Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back, Greg Chiano. Is this it? Have we gotten it? I mean, it, it all signs point to the fact that we have reached the moment of the coaching search that I think everybody ex- wanted to happen. A lot of people wanted to happen. Everybody expected to happen. Uh, you know, that said, it still it still felt like the way this thing went on that you know there's an element of wow we got here you know and surprise. Uh, you know, do you feel that way today, Sarge? Just given the twists and turns, given the you know, different smoke signals coming out of Piscataway, just the way this thing was going early on that, you know, to, to get to the point where we believe a meeting will take place this week that will, you know, get it, get Greg Shannon back as head coach. Uh, what do you think? So I'll say yes and no. And mm-hmm. I, the reason why I say that is because I think from day one, Pat Hobbs tried to make it clear that he was going to be the guy who's making a call. He didn't want, he wanted to make it clear that it was going to be his call, not the boosters, not a uh, search a committee uh, with, within the, the school, you know, meaning uh, donors and fans and, and uh, other administrators. He wanted to make it clear it was his call. And I think right from the get-go, I think we kind of, uh, you know, let the public know as best as possible that Pat Hobbs was not – he was a little leery of, of hiring Greg Schiano for, for, for a number of reasons. Um, I don't think he – I think he wanted to look at other candidates from the get-go. I will say this, that uh, there uh, were you know, a few other people you know, at, at a major university when you're talking about Board of Governors and you're talking about really you know, influential people who told me from the beginning, Greg Schiano was going to be a shortlist uh, candidate, meaning he was going to be in until the end. I believe that all along. Uh, we're here now. Um, I think we're to the point where I think an offer will be made. And if it is, you know. We have to keep in mind, Graciano still has not given any clear indication whether he wants the job. So, uh, but I do think that uh, you know the flirtation, is, you know, is, is underway, and uh, we'll see where it goes. So it is. I mean, yeah, and I guess I guess we should say that up front. It's possible this could get screwed up. I mean, there's no, I mean, it, until until it's done, it's not done. And knowing you know, Greg, as long as we have the expectation, my if I was told from the beginning that if there's a meeting with Greg Shannon, it's the end game. It's not. 
they're not interviewing Greg Shannon like they interviewed Butch Jones. They're going to him and saying, all right, let's get this done because uh, there have been conversations taking place. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy they know, a known quantity. Cratch, let's, let's go through this here. In your mind, you know, give me what you think the pros are to, to bring him back, Shiano, and give me what you think some of the cons are to, to this deal today. Well, I think the pros are, and, I, and I've said this a lot, the minute Greg is hired as head coach, all of your football programs issues outside the white lines are solved. Right. This is a guy who, I don't know if he's going to sell 10,000 season tickets by the opener against Monmouth, but they're going to sell season tickets. They're going to have the biggest spring game crowd they've had in a long time. You know, it would not shock me if all, all the money for that field house they want to put where the bubble is, if that suddenly gets shaked out of the couch pretty quickly. You know, I just think, you know, Greg is going to create a, a sense of excitement. You know, he's going to fire up the fan base. He, you're you're going to get national media attention. You might get New York media attention. That's not negative. That's not pointing fun at Rutgers, you know, not mocking it. Like there's going to be a buzz that this is, this is happening. This is coming back. I mean, I would be stunned if Greg gets a job, if he doesn't pick up a big name recruiter too. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's going to feed into it. You know, it's going to be, you know, every, all that buzz that he created the first time and he's coming in here now. But I think the cons are, you know, what, what he did here was, was special and, and he gave the program its dignity in the modern era, but it's still going to be a hard climb up from where they are now. I, I think they're a lot closer to being, you know, a four to six win team than, than people think at this moment. But Rutgers has bigger aspirations than four to six wins every year. Right. You know, Pat Hobbs said the word Rose Bowl. And I just wonder if, you know, people have been saying this whole, oh, you know, you can't go home again, never works well the second time. That's a little bit of, of, of silliness, in my opinion. Like, yeah. I even saw someone say, well, it didn't work for Bill Snyder. And I went and looked at Bill Snyder, his second stint at Kansas State. He won five or more games every year, and he went to the Cotton Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, we'd sign I for that. I think fans are going to sign yeah. up for that. That'd be okay. You know? That'd be okay. You know, like Mike Riley, like, you know, basically recruited the, the kids that won the Pac-12 for Dennis Erickson and then came back and, like, went to a bowl game every year. I think Rutgers will take that. Right. So, uh, look, I, I've, always, I've always thought that Greg's the guy who excites the fan base. He galvanizes the fan base. And I think, look, at the end of the day, Greg Schiano has proven he's a very good football coach. I think that he's going to get this program to a point where they are going to a bowl game regularly. They're winning six, seven games every year. I just don't know how fast that's going to happen. Right. Um, I think that's the one, the one con is that just, it, for whatever reason, it, it just doesn't work out. Because I think the last thing that Rutgers would ever want to have to do going forward is fire Greg Schiano. That would be That would be rough. All right. So, sorry, this is the interesting dynamic. If it really does happen this week, and I had someone ask me, like, all right, well, what, is he going to coach the last three games? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Well, no, of course not. But I thought, well, I mean – it's not a crazy question to ask. I mean, you're hiring him as a head coach. You're bringing him in with, with a quarter of the season still to go. Is there a chance? I mean, what does he do during that time? Uh, especially given, and this is a funny intel I got from someone, that it, it didn't dawn on me until, you know, I, I gave it a lot of thought. But someone mentioned that he might be in a better position not as head coach in that he not, doesn't have like a, a, mountain of, a mountain of NCAA rules to follow. You know, if he wants to call a recruit, if he wants to call, a, you know, build staff, do things without, outside the boundaries of being, you know, the, the guy who has, must follow these restrictions, 
he's in a better position to do it now than he might be, you know, the moment he walks into that building. So in your mind, Sarge, what happens in the next three weeks, four weeks, if he does get the job while the season's going on? Yeah, it's a great question because I actually had a fan actually ask me the same thing on, you know, on, on Twitter DM. Um, what I'll say is this, um, to the, to the latter point, um, and I thought about that too. Yeah. I think maybe you, you're able to, you know, talk to, you know, and, uh, you know, the Alfano or, you know, the, the guys who are in the grad transfer portal or, or, you know, got, you know, high school recruits. The only problem with that is, you know, you're also, and I, I, I agree that there's not uh, any set NCAA rules prohibiting it, but if it does turn out that you had a secret deal with Graciano, you know, in, 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 in September and he was recruiting and, you know, there's a paper trail to it, you know, it could lead to the NCA or someone uh, calling foul and you just don't know, and you never know. So let's just uh, do it, uh, you know, uh, you know, on the up and up and not lead to, you know, some sort of investigation down the line where, you know, you know, an opposing big 10 coach is, is, is calling foul saying that Graciano is recruiting for Rutgers. He hasn't even been named a coach yet. Um, you, no one wants that. On the other hand, if you do hire him, you know, what happens? My understanding talking to people behind the scenes would, the, the plan would be he would not coach the final three games. That would be Nunzio uh, Campanelli would, would be allowed to uh, finish out the season. Uh, whether he can recruit, that's a good question. That's a question I probably need to, uh, to get answered at this point because if you remember Tim Pernetti, when, when he hired, uh, when, when, after uh, Graciano abruptly left, there was a couple of days before sign, uh, signing day, he took the, the test to become, right. certified to become yeah. an NCAA recruiter. Um, at the time, there was a slot open with the you know with staff, obviously because you know Greg was leaving and um, you know there were other assistants leaving, so he could do that. Right now, they're 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 all filled up on, on the coaching staff. I don't think think at this point, you know certainly Nunzio you know would, would be allowed to if he does finish out the season, and then you'd have ten assistants trying to finish out the season. I don't think he'd be allowed to be on the road. NCAA rules. I don't think he'd be allowed to be on the road. It's an interesting question. Um, something that we, we still don't know um, the answer to. Yeah. All right. So, you know, it's just been a, it's been a weird process from the beginning. You know, we had a lot of, I mean, you, we forget that if we, this, this podcast had things not done differently. We, we might've been talking about Butch Jones for, for the for opening segment. He was interviewed on Friday by all accounts, everybody in the room. And I heard someone said that uh, Butch blew them away. It was a quote I heard. Uh, you know, I don't know how true that is. Certainly it seems like, you know, this process was heading toward Greg even when they had Butch Jones in the room, which which begs the question, you know, you're spending eighty eight thousand dollars on a on a search firm. I mean, what really happened here, Crash, do you think? was this whole thing from the beginning just one long thing to get to to get here? Did did you know, was it just the realization that that he was the guy? I mean, what give me a sense of do you think that this went off the rails at some point where they realized they weren't gonna get a Moorhead, they weren't getting another candidate? What's your sense? My sense is probably that they, they reached a conclusion where the candidates that were currently with teams that they might be interested in, they, I, they probably just realized none of these guys are as, as are better than Butch or Greg. Right. You know, so, I mean, you know, like that's, you know, Joe Moorhead, if Joe Moorhead goes eight and five again in Mississippi State, and they're, they, they, might be, they might be tired of him in Starkville, but he's not like toxic. He probably is still a candidate, but it's falling apart there. It's been a disaster. You know, Jason Campbell at Toledo, 
that you know, that that thing that ship has sailed when he blew he was a twenty eight point favorite to Bowling Green and lost. Yeah. You know, Lance Leopold, it was very clear that like if Lance Leopold was the higher, like no one was gonna come to the games anymore. That's the way people were acting. So and I think they probably realized through this search firm that can kind of have those kind of clandestine, you know, not supposed to happen, but they're happening everywhere kind of conversations. They probably realized that there was there was no slam dunk, you know, like there was no stunning, you know, like 2015, you know, when, when people and Sarge Boy, you know, Dan Mullen was interested in the job potentially, like there was no Dan Mullen, like right. out of the blue candidate out there. So at that point, you know, Butch is interested. You know, Greg's at least going to take a meeting. And I think what you're right, like I go back to, you know, the famous story about when, when Florida, when Steve Spurrier wanted to go back to Florida and went to Carolina job and Jeremy Foley, the AD said like, okay, like send your resume and we'll interview you. And Steve's response was like, go walk down the hallway and look at the trophy case. Like that's, that's my interview, <laughs> you know? And he said it a little bit more profanely, but you know, <laughs> that's the sort of thing with Greg, you know, you're right. not going to like sit down, oh, like yeah. you're, you're, if you're going to meet with Greg, you're offering him the job. Yeah. And so I think at this point, it looks to me that they want to hire Greg. And if something happens, I think they're probably, maybe they interview one more or two more candidates, but they're probably feel pretty good about Butch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Let's dive into true or false, guys. We know how it works. Give me a true or false answer. And then at the end, we'll discuss the topics. All right. True or false. Greg Schiano means a change at athletic director. Sarge, true or false? False. Cratch? False. All right. Interesting. We'll get back to that one, certainly. Uh, true or false, Rutgers will not score again in the final three games of the season. Sarge? <laughs> uh, false. Cratch? False. True or false, Rutgers will not score more than two touchdowns in the final three games of the season. Sarge? True. Cratch? True. Yeah, that's where we're at, I think. True or false, the team MVP of the 2019 Scarlet Knights is Aaron Young. True or false? Mm. False. Scratch? False. The team MVP is Isaiah Pacheco. True or false? Sarge? False. Scratch? False. The team MVP is Adam Corsak. True or false? Sarge? I mean, don't make Cratch answer. We, we, we know what his answer is, so just move forward. I'm going to say true. Eat. Cratch? True. Yeah, I was trying to think of somebody else. It's not easy. Uh, true or false? Rutgers botched the 150th anniversary, and it's too late to save it. Sarge, true or false? True. Cratch? True. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad, and we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to go back to the uh, the first one uh, the, the at the AD, and it's you know there are many. I was coming up with a list of things, of questions I have, unanswered questions about like you know what's going to happen here if if and when you know Shiano takes this job, and that's number one on my list, you know, and and I'm curious if Pat Hobbs, uh, you know, is still going to be you know. A, in, if, if he's in charge, if he's in charge of football, if there's some, you know, backdoor agreement here where, you know, that now uh, Greg is going to report directly to the president or however it's going to work. I mean, Sarge, you know, what sense do you get about what's going on here, you know, with uh, with that dynamic? Uh, I've said this time and time again, and uh, I'm going to say for probably the upteenth time that the way this university works, boosters don't don't fire uh, Pat Hobbs. The media doesn't fire Pat Hobbs. Fans don't fire Pat Hobbs. The president of the university fires Pat Hobbs. 
Robert Archie, the day after our, our softball uh, reporting came out, has called for an independent investigation. They're going to do that. They're going to hire a, a, a law firm to 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 uh, investigate our findings. And um, you know, if when the dust settles on that, then uh, you know we we could talk on on the podcast. Or I'm sure there will be some additional uh, additional questions and reporting at that point. But as of uh, whatever day it is, November fourth, um, Pat Hobbs is the AD, and and he yeah, and I, I it's you know. Almost silly to, to to talk about it. Yeah, we're we're going to dive into softball next, and there's, there's a few things we want to talk about there. Obviously, the thing the thing I do want to mention it's not it's not just that it's it's just this this feeling this vibe whatever you want to call it the in you know, the whispers around Piscataway that you know Shiano didn't want to work for Hobbs and that Hobbs didn't want to hire Shiano. I mean, it was and obviously we all heard it. If you're anywhere near Piscataway, if you're stepping near the parking lot of the stadium, this is like, this is something that people were talking about. Kratz, do you think that, that this dynamic can work? Or are we looking at a situation where, you know, even if it's eight months from now, we're talking about a kind of a leadership change here because of those two personalities. I think it can work because look, let's think about this here. Everybody wins. Yeah. This might be the only place that's worth, you know, this might be the only Power 5 job Greg Schiano can get you know, at this point in his career, given all that's happened. And if you're Pat Hobbs, and yeah, so it, it, you know, we'll get to softball. It's a very serious situation. If you're Pat Hobbs, if you want to just keep it strictly to, you know, like if Pat Hobbs can put on his, you know, his time at Rutgers that I hired Steve Peichel and he took the team to the NCAA tournament and I brought Greg home, you know, Pat might be remembered as the greatest AD in school history. A transformative, you know, athletic director that built buildings and and got the basketball program out of the abyss, and you know he hopes fix the football program by bringing you know the the beloved son home. So I just think like we're at a point now, and I've always kind of felt throughout this whole process that Greg needs Rutgers and Rutgers needs Greg. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in life, you know, you just kind of have to realize that there's a greater good involved. I think that could be the situation here, that the two of them can augment their legacies and solidify their legacies if they come back and they work together and they get this thing turned around. Right. Right. All right. And this is the furthest we've gotten into a podcast by far without mentioning the fact that the football team did, in fact, play a game. <laughs> they lost to Illinois 38 to 10. Uh, I mentioned the, those two tidbits, obviously, about the scoring you know, I have to say, I was, uh, I was, I watched the first half of the game and I was like, well, you know what? This is exactly what this team has got to go. And they're playing well defensively. They're playing tough, making, you know, the, some smart decisions on offense. This is going to be a close game. And then it's exactly the second half was like, you know, that, that two versus 15 game in the NCAA tournament where it's, oh, okay, well, that's it. That's over. You know, one quick, one quick, uh, a couple of turnovers, you know, and that, that was, you know, touchdown, quick touchdown. That was it. Um, you know, what did you guys see out of that game that makes you think that these last two, three, three games, is there any hope that you get out of it? Or is it, was it just kind of what you expected from Illinois? Kratz, what do you got? About what I expected. I thought the Rutgers played better against the run than I expected. But still, you know, you know, Corbin was like a shoelace away a couple of times from right, breaking a right. big run. You know, I, I think that the offense is an issue. It just, they can't. They have they found a way to kind of move the ball, you know, get manageable third downs with Lang in the past few weeks, but it, it's just not consistent enough to sustain drives on a regular basis. So, you know, they might get a touchdown on you and look really good, but then 
they just can't get over the hump or they'll stall out. I think the defense is, you know, everyone wants to say, what's the new guy going to do with the offense? Um, the defense has got to get fixed. They give way too many big plays. They don't tackle well. Yep. That's a major issue. Um, looking to the final three games, oh, I, you know, I just shudder to think about the Ohio State game. Uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's just like, well, when we, when we see Nunzio Campanelli next, I'm going to ask him, you know, and I think he'll be honest, you know, pretty, you know, pretty blunt about it. I mean, what do you say to your kids as you're preparing to play Ohio State in this, in this current situation? Um, I think the Michigan State game is interesting to me just because they host the Illini this week. If they lose to Illinois, they're four and five, and then they're going to get blown out by Michigan, and they'll be four and six. Those kids might just say, you know, we don't really like they could go to a bowl game still because they have finished with Rutgers and Maryland. But does Michigan State want to go to a bowl game at this yeah, point? You're talking about the I Dallas Bowl yeah. or something bad. Yeah. 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 Do you really want to go uh, strive to win, win out to go to the hard, you know, go to the quick lane bowl? You know, so I almost wonder if that could be a game where they have a chance to do something special because if this all works out, it's, it's the season finale. You know, it's the day where they're honoring Eric. You assume Greg's going to be there on the field. This Michigan State team may have just quit. I don't know. Maybe they have a chance. We know Michigan State can't score points. Maybe they've got a chance to win, you know, 10 to 9 or something. Or it's a, a feel-good moment. And then Penn State, I don't think it will be terribly ugly. I think Penn State at that point will probably be headed towards a big-time bowl and just want to get in, get out, stay healthy. I think it's like a 35 nothing game. Right. But I don't see them scoring more than two touchdowns the rest of the way. Maybe they get one in garbage time against Ohio State and Penn State, and maybe they get one against Michigan State, but that's about it. All right, let's dive into softball. And, I, and I, this, is, this is a tough topic. This is not usual t- uh, podcast fodder for us, obviously. You know, uh, uh, you know our investigation, this is Matt Stammeyer and, and you, sorry, put together what I thought was a very thorough story. It took, you know, several weeks to report. Uh, it's not the kind of story anybody wants to report or read. And I just want to make, I want to make one thing clear about this. And I, you know, the people are wondering the motives of this. And, you know, I've seen it on Twitter, email. I've heard people talking, <laughs> mention it at the topic on the message boards that it, there's some sort of, you know, conspiracy about us writing this or some deep, deep state uh, thing going on here. Well, why we would pursue this. And I, you know, I just, Sarge, I want to just dive into like the timeline of, you know, how this story came about and really, you know, why it's important for us to pursue it. And I think people, you know, lose sight of what our role is and the media in general. I don't want to get on the soapbox and because believe me, you don't want to listen to me talk about my, my strong belief in the power of journalism here. But when people come to us with allegations of abuse that are serious and they feel like they don't have a voice, they have nowhere else to go. No one else is listening to them. I mean, that's just kind of what we do. And, and that's the, best, the broader sense of, of you know, good newspaper reporting, good reporting in general. So, Sarge, take me through like what, you know, the timeline of how the story came about and when you knew it was something that could, that could be a serious situation. Okay, so uh, I got the letter from uh, a, an attorney from Wisconsin. His name is Martin Greenberg. His, his name was um, uh, mentioned in the reporting. I got that on Wednesday. Uh, September 4th at 1.10 p.m. I'm looking at the email right now. Martin Greenberg is interesting. September 4th. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. September 4th. Um, we obviously reported the story on October 30th, so we're talking eight weeks to the day. Right. Um, so uh, that was, you know, I guess a week into the season. Um, There's no conspiracy theory that this was done, you know, to, to, to uh, you know, 
get Hobbs out of the way for Greg Ciano or any of the other conspiracy theories. Yeah. Uh, Martin Greenberg is interesting because he represented one of the swimmers in the uh, uh, in the uh, story that eventually led to the ouster of Petra Martin, mm-hmm. the uh, Rutgers women's swimming coach. Um, and he reached out and he was representing one of the um, the players on, on the Rutgers softball team. Like any good reporter, um, I was skeptical at first. I read the letter. Um, some of it, um, you know, seemed um, a little, uh, if, you know, if I'm going to be blunt, you know, there was some stuff that I could you, you could be skeptical about. I think uh, you and I had talked about it um, early on. Um, we knew uh, by mid-September um, that all hell was going to break loose on the football on the football uh, coaching service. We kind of had an indication right after the Boston College game that Chris yeah. Asher was going to be fired. We brought in Matt Stanmeyer, who is a AP. He's the best uh, sports writer in, his, in the country. Period. Um, we could say all these awards that he's won, but I think you would agree he's the best sports writer. In, <laughs> Certainly, in the- investigations and things like this, there's no one better. No, no question. Um, so uh, he and I both, uh, you know, at that point, probably took us about six weeks to to uh, do uh, our reporting. And in that time, we got tons of documents. I mean, just from, from Ohio, from, from uh, you know, through, you know, we obtained a, a ton of documents that, that verified the reporting. Um, and then at that point, all, you know, all, all, we're not the ju- judge and jury. All we're doing is laying out the allegations, verifying it. Uh, we hear one thing, we, we, we call right. a, another player, did this happen? Um, and that's what, what it was. Uh, so what it was all about from the beginning, we, you know, we heard one set of allegations from, from, from this player who, 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 uh, was being represented by Martin Greenberg in this legal document. And then we just proceeded to talk to, uh, you know, just player after player after player. You have to keep in mind that Rutgers had 10 players transfer out over, over the course of, I guess it was about a year, mm-hmm. eight players in the NCAA transfer portal, which we had access to. Yeah. Uh, it, and we put it in the story. Eight players um, is uh, twice as many as the next highest school in the Big Ten. So it, eight players in the NCAA transfer portal would would have raised a, uh, an eyebrow to begin with. So you know, over the course of it, you know, we just you know we verified and we 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 uh, we did as we talked to as many people and we probably talked to you know forty people. You know, ultimately we got document after document mm-hmm. and. The end result was the story that, that, that uh, the fans read. And what frustrates me, a lot of people read it, and I think they said, well, come on, con- conditioning drills. And I, and I get it. Like, these athletes are not – they're not naive to run. And this what bothers me. Like, this isn't the first time anybody told them to run a sprint. It was it was just the severity of it and, you know, the, the, the toxic atmosphere. And believe me, when you read some of the things that, you know, this assistant coach, <laughs> the volunteer coach, I should say, the husband of, of Kristen Butler, the volleyball coach, had said to these athletes and how uncomfortable comfortable they made that he made them and how this was a problem at his last coaching stop and things like that are just red flags to me uh i think the clear clearly the response from the university was poor what do you think the response now is going to be sarge i mean how long do you have any idea what this investigation is going to be and how long it's going to last and what it means going you know what it means for the the entire program going forward uh no idea how long it's going to last if you go back to the last time I think they did an independent investigation was with, with the Javon Tyree, David Cohen um, allegation that kind of turned into you know, a question of whether Julie Herman uh, actually talked to uh, Javon Tyree's dad. That was I think that story broke in, in, in late October, early November. Um, <laughs> you, uh, everyone knows by now that the, the that the report came out on, on Super Bowl media day, which was, you know, uh, 
100% you know, a, a Rutgers thing. They dropped it <laughs> right. on, on Super Bowl media day. The, the Super Bowl was in New Jersey that year. Uh, so that was, I guess, a full, almost three months, right? You know, how long yeah. it took for the report to come out. Um, I think we'll probably have a similar ty- ty- type deal where uh, they'll hire a law firm, probably one that they've dealt with you know, in the past. Um, the one thing, and I will say this uh, with, uh, you know, every fiber of my being um, is that if they handle this uh, uh, this investigation the right way and they talk to not just current players, but, you know, the the 10 players who transferred, that every one piece of our reporting will be will verified. If anything else, and I'll, I speak to this because the day after the two days after we, we did the reporting, we talked to even more players who came out and, and stood by the, the players who did talk to us. Um, and they all verified it. And they all said, you know, you should have called us or you should have called me or I would have talked. <laughs> so um, if they do do this investigation the right way, um, everything will be will, will, will be uh, verified. It'll be up to ultimately, I guess, the investigation will will, will, will probably look at whether any violations, you know, for, with you know, university bylaws or NCA bylaws or anything else. Uh, were, were committed with, with regards to either the conditioning or the uh, allegation that she tried to revoke uh, player scholarships without cause. All that type of stuff will, will be will, will be looked into. If they do it the right way, though, every single one of th- those stories uh, will, will will be verified. I have a hundred percent confidence in that. All right, so we're going to follow that reporting closely. There's much more to come. Um, you know, again, a serious story, one that we you know it's a responsibility to look into, and you know, uh, hopefully it'll be, you know, it'll be resolved. They're taking it seriously at least, and that's a good sign. All right, I want to dive in though to the podcast questions because uh, the questions from Rutgers Insider because we have so many of them and it's just amazing. So again, if you're not subscribing yet, we gained several subscribers based on. Uh, the news of the coaching search over the over the weekend, uh, nj.com back, uh, backslash text to sign up, $5 a month. You get to chat with us, yell at us, text back and forth, and you, and you get the news first before anybody else does. All right. So here's the first question I like, and, it, and it's, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's, an, it's an obvious one. Contract length in the five-year range for Shiano. Uh, Cratch, I mean, I got to imagine that if you're Greg Shannon, you're coming in here, you've, you have studied this roster, you have, you know what it's got. It's got to be more than five years. Yes, I would think if I'm Greg, I would ask for seven or eight years. Right. So eight years. No, that's crazy. Okay, seven, I think. I mean, I mean, seven. I mean, honestly, you know, wow. someone, I, I was sometimes head said it, and then someone familiar with the program told me this. They might be ten years away oh my God. from like being oh, yeah. a, a full fledged. Like, no, I think I think they're ten years away from being like a like a Iowa Wisconsin level. We can go win seven or eight games every year. Program. Yeah, I think they're probably two or three years away from being a full team. But I, if I were Greg, I, I would ask for you know you just gave Steve Owens the baseball coach six years by all indications. So. Greg should probably get seven. Yeah, I agree with that. <clears throat> Will there another question? Will there be a big commitment com- commitment to obtaining excellent recruiters slash coaches so they don't have to leave after a year or two for more money at another place? Sarge, we've we've discussed this. I I don't think this. I don't think Greg Shannon is in the conversation. If that's not a yes, I mean, what do you what do you what's your sense from behind the scenes as to what the commitment's going to be to the staff? Hundred percent, yes. Um, that Greg Schiano. This is a major thing. My understanding is, aside from you know his you know the length of his contract and the money that he gets is the money that he's able to to pay to 
as assistant coaches, 100%. Uh, that's going to be a major thing. He wants to hire, um, my understanding is a Jersey-centric staff and a lot of guys that he's worked with in the past. The only way to do that is to be able to pay them. Um, that is a major thing, the uh, coaching pool. Right. All right. This is a, this is a good one for, uh, along, along the lines of what could go wrong here. What are the reasons you see a deal possibly not getting done? Money, the amount of sh autonomy Shiana would want, something else. Uh, you know, Cratch, I feel like the answer has got to be something as simple as they get into the room and it just it just doesn't work. You know, I mean, the, the, there's, there's some conversation. There's cold feet from Greg. I don't think that's – I can't rule that out entirely. I mean, this is a guy who – Left the you know left the best defensive coordinator job in the world, uh, you know because of family issues. I mean, what do you think? Is is there anything that could sabotage this now? Yeah, I, I think it, you know it could be possible that that Greg realizes that maybe he prefer to be a, a position coach. I mean, I think that maybe after a year, if he's ready to work again, he could go right back to New England. You never know. I mean, I, I think all indications were that when he left the Patriots, he left under good terms with Bill Belichick. Um, it's possible that Greg thinks to himself, I know this is, this is going to be really hard. Not, I don't want to risk, you know, tarnishing what I accomplished at Rutgers in the past. Uh, it's possible that another job could be signaled to him. I mean, I, I we've talked about like, I, I Steve Adazio is still the coach him, but you know, I could see where a job like Boston College would have things that appeal to Greg that their records doesn't have. Right. So, yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, everything is – look, it's Rutgers. I think the last week has reminded us that this is a different place. Yes. And anything can happen at any moment. Absolutely. <clears throat> Great question. We alluded to it a little earlier, but someone uh, he's talking about with the experience that he gains, Shannon has gained since Rutgers and the connections he made – Will he have an immediate impact in recruiting? I think the answer is yes. And it's funny. I, went, I had to go back and look at it. When he first got the job the first time around, within 17 days, he got a kid from Montclair named Ricky Cook to commit. And it was a big whopping deal. You remember this, Sarge? And this is predates you. Christ, it predates you I by do. a million years. Ricky Cook, as I mentioned, this is funny because I wrote about him when they got saved on Huggins, which is, again, that was, 10, that was eight years ago now. Uh, but, you know, now he's a cop in Montclair, but this, he, he was like, you know, he didn't turn out to be a great player, but it was just this eye-opening moment where we're like, whoa, they got this kid? I mean, is that going to happen again, you think? I do. I do. I think, uh, you know, I mean, give Todd a credit. He's already mentioned yeah. a couple of names of, yes. of recruits, who, you know, uh, Jalen Berger, a couple others who, who um, would be intrigued by the prospects of playing Greg, uh, with, with Greg Ciano. I believe my understanding is Greg Ciano, again, we're not talking underhanded stuff. I think he was recruiting Jalen Berger while he was at Ohio State as well. So make that clear. Right. But I think, um, you know, right off the bat, yeah, that's obviously, you know, a game changing type offensive type player. Um, again, I think he's going to, you know, uh, try to dip into uh, the, the grad transfer market. Uh, there's already two guys from Jersey in, in it right now, two impact guys from Jersey right now. Uh, so I think he's going to try to get it good in a hurry. Right. All right. Another another question. Everybody wants to talk about Shannon today. Obviously, uh, aside from the salaries of the coaches and assistant coaches, what investments is Greg looking for? We hear about wanting, you know, he wanted unlimited budget. What does that entail? Right. I don't think it entails yeah. an unlimited budget. I think it, it, it's very simple that, you know, they, they they're behind the as much as they built, you know, the practice fields are great. The facilities for basketball is important. The health center is just kind of a dinosaur, and of course, the bubble is just unacceptable. Yeah, I think, and I think there's a lot of people speculate about this. I think there's a there's a big confusion. 
I don't think Greg and Anna Brown built a $4 million locker room if the premise was that the health center was going to get blown up and they were going to build a completely new thing in a couple of years. Right. My guess is that, and I think Sarge will test this, you as well, Steve, they, they need, need to replace the bubble. I think you're talking about a field house that's basically just a big barn, you know, doesn't have offices, doesn't have locker rooms, but that's right across the street at the stadium. And then at some point when the Rockin' Center opens and you have the soccer and the lacrosse programs move out, I think at that point it's just women's tennis you've got to get out of the health center. And then it's 100% of football facilities. That's my guess is that – Massive renovation maybe, for, something something along those lines yes. to make it look like it, you know, a little bit yes. more. Obviously, you have, to, you have to do a lot of work there. But my guess is that you're going to have a field house that's just a big barn with, <clears> with a field, you know, you know, with a football field, you know, and maybe a place where scouts can watch practice from a perch from above. But very basic, similar to the field house of the Giants and the, and the – the Jets have, you know, there's not offices, it's just, you know, just a big kind of structure that has the practice field inside of it in heat. And then once all the other programs are out of the Hale Center, you kind of really renovate that and spruce that place right. up. All right, here's one for you, Sergeant. It's, it's, you know, about Pat Hobbs. What is his standing now with the major donor community uh, and other university decision makers? I mean, you know, he, this, this texter points out he's got two abuse scandals. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't like the way he handled the, the coach. Uh, certainly people were horrified at the way he uh, – reacted to, to you when when you were discussing the softball story you know is he damaged goods now or is the or he ha, has he done enough around that campus where people can you know he can survive a storm like this uh and move forward yeah i don't know um again I, it goes back to as far as uh i i'm curious to see you know what what the uh you know how they handle that report and uh you know whether if ultimately they 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 um look at the the allegations and they say well you had this um since july and you did nothing about it or um you know what did you do during the season when 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 mm -hmm. when uh these types of things were rough you, you know what was your response um that's one issue uh number two as far as his standing in the community look the guy is just coming off a hundred million dollar fundraising campaign right. which is unprecedented no ad has done it done that uh, you have to give him a ton of credit for that. We're, you know, there there are buildings that you know that, that were built, you know, and facilities and are being built. Have to give him a ton of credit. That does not happen by waving a magic wand. That happens by by raising by 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 building camaraderie and being the face of the program. We've seen him as recently as a couple of weeks ago presiding over the uh, uh, the Rotkin uh, topping off ceremony and. You know, you you see him acting like it. You know, an AD is supposed to. You know, being very, very, very uh, commanding and uh, you know shaking hands with donors and you know commanding a lot of respect. Um, you know, that's the AD that uh, he was only a couple of weeks ago. I think that you know that that's the AD that he could probably uh, be in the future. I still think again, there's still uh, questions w with regards to you know how how the university handles it, uh, this going forward and. Uh, Time will tell whether or not, uh, you know, he, he comes out of that unscathed. All right, we had four questions about this, and that's a weird topic. Could we possibly lose Shiano to Florida State? I mean, I think the answer is no. I don't like. I just didn't. I just didn't imagine that that Florida State would would do that. Am I missing something, Crash? Do you think there's is that on the radar? No, no. no. Okay. I mean, look, I don't know. I don't know what Florida State's going to do. Crazy, um, they're paying twenty really... million dollars to get rid of anybody. That's just amazing. It's yeah. amazing. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
you know, I think there's a very good chance that Florida State where this is just it's kind of like it, you know, you look at the history of college football, there are programs that were dominant in the forties and the fifties that right. You know, don't have a program anymore now. Uh, I think it's a very good chance that Florida State's just a faded superpower, and, and that moment has passed them. But yeah, I don't. I like they're going to be trying to hire Urban Meyer or Nick Saban or bring Jimbo back. Like I don't think they're going to be targeting Greg Schiano. Um, I think he might be a good hire for them, but I can't see them. I can't see them being interested in Greg Schiano in this short window before Rutgers should close Greg out. All right, final one from from Project uh, <coughs> uh, Insiders. Uh, thanks again for all your questions. Uh, wants to know if a reunion does happen, does Greg Schiano have higher aspirations than Rutgers? And it's interesting because we've kind of like have viewed him at returning and kind of finishing the job. But is he looking at this job like a, most coaches would, which is to say, I'm going to win here, get it back to a bowl game, and I'm going to get to my next place? Or is he, is he at age 53 a different guy than the guy who interviewed at Michigan, interviewed Miami, who left for the Bucks? Sarge, what do you think? Is he is he here to stay? I think so. Um, the one thing, and I remember talking to him, um, you know, after Tampa Bay, I, I don't think I'm divulging anything by by saying he ta- t- told this to a lot of other people. But like his next stop, if he was go- go- going to get back into college uh, as a head coach, the reason why I think he might have turned down a, a few things early on, um, he wanted to. He he said to people that he wanted to win a national championship, that he wanted a program that was built to win a national championship. As it turned out. He's obviously taking another another rebuilding program. Yeah, yeah that's what he's taking taking over. To be honest with you, that might be what what he's suited at. I mean, that's the one thing that on his resume you cannot take away from him. Like he built, you know, the the, the Rutgers program into a perennial bowl team, and um, you know, if he does it again, if he rebuilds it, it's going to be obviously a spectacular rebuilding job. He's going to get a lot of national attention at that point. If 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 Rutgers gets back to a bowl game, um. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, skeptic, uh, to speculate, but again, like he, you know, he's a guy who uh, does a lot of things the right way. We, we've talked about that before. And if uh, he's, you know, he's not going to embarrass the university or any university that I would think that he, if he's able to turn around, his name, you know, he's going to be a proven commodity. Yep. That's true. All right. Anything else? There's actually a lot else. Uh, the hoops, hoops opener is on Thursday. Basketball it has to get uh, waits until 41 minutes into this podcast, and I apologize to Dave White personally that it took so long for us <laughs> to get there. Um, let's talk about basketball for a minute, then wrestling, women's soccer, and I, 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 you know, I hope there is a time where we're doing a podcast in in January where we're just, you know, we're just talking up hoops because the team is so good and everyone's excited and the racket's rocking. Um, I will, I wonder this, Cratch. You know, with the high, with the level of expectations, are we setting ourselves up for a big fall here? That's a good question. I've thought about this a lot, just because, you know, remember last year when they lost to Fordham and how you know kind of rough that was and how upset people were. And I was thinking the other day, we didn't really expect much from that team last yeah. year, and that Fordham loss still kind of hit like a freight train. If they were to lose to Niagara this coming week, people would be apoplectic. They'd be thinking, well, the NIT is shot, out the door, we're done. Yeah. You know, so there's going to be, you know, the losses are going to weigh a lot heavier. And, you know, the last two years, they've had some quirky, you know, non-conference loss early in the year. And those losses really mean something this year because your goal is the NIT. So 
I think it's a very good chance. I, I we did like I did a season preview stuff that will run later in the week. It's a tough schedule. Yeah. You know, there's a very good chance, and, and you look at that. You know, they might play the game of their lives and still lose to Seton Hall by a point. You know, that's going to be a, a massive moment, and Seton Hall might be Final Four caliber. You, know, you got to go to Pitt, so I think you know the Big Ten schedule is a bear. It's just it's I think there's a chance that this team is better than they were last year. But the record doesn't necessarily improve all yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it, Sarge, and we, you know, you start with the uh, two games: Brian Niagara, then Drexel St. Bonaventure, Stephen F. Austin, NJIT, UMass. All right, you can get. You, I mean, you should get off to a really nice seven and zero, six and one at the worst start. But then at Pitt, at Michigan State, versus Wisconsin, you know, versus Seton Hall. I mean. Uh, that's that is a rough that is a rough pre Christmas slate for a team that is you know, where you forget you know it's still adding a new important new pieces still a lot of young players you have to develop I mean what do you think is the the ceiling uh, for and the likely level the team this team's going to reach Yeah um, postseason uh, NIT yeah. um, I think uh, you know improving on 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 the record in the Big Ten I've, we said this before I mean if they're you know I think they finished tied for tenth. Uh, last year, like a three-way tie. If they get up to eighth, you know, they're on a bubble. Um, I don't know if the non-conference schedule um, will be good enough to carry it because that's what the NCAA uh, does look at. It's not just a conference, uh, you know, record. But um, if they're able to to get in that eight, nine, ten pack, um, you know, and then are able to, to, you know, get 16, 17 wins overall and get, you know, on, on, you know, into the NIT. I think that's a successful year. Okay. Uh, really quick. We've got a women's soccer team. Uh, they are in the semifinals of the big 10 tournament next Friday. Is that right? Cratch? Uh, yes. At your sack hosting the semifinals. So I believe they're going to play Michigan. And obviously if they win that, then they will go to Sunday's final. I don't believe times have been set for either the, well, I, will they be Michigan with an expected outcome? Uh, soccer, I know, is a different sport than anything else, but they, are they favored? <laughs> I believe the Wolverines were ahead of them in the okay. table. Um, I can look that up right now. But, by the way, they are two wins away on their home field from the first Big Ten title in school that? history. Wow. Which, you know, which I think would be a pretty, a pretty special moment for Rutgers, obviously. And what has been kind of a wild fall. Yeah, is home field assigned um, beforehand, or did they earn home field? No, home field, it, it's predetermined. So last year, the men's lacrosse tournament was here, and our wrestling will be here in, in, in March. Uh, they predetermined hand, gave them your sec field. But, you know, they've had a good season. You know, they got it. They were, you know, got a top four. I believe they were the, maybe even the two seed in the, in the Big Ten. Um, it's been such a wild week. I haven't paid as close enough attention as I should have, but they were a top four seed, and obviously now, they're in the final four, two wins away from a Big Ten title, which would be a pretty and big moment. getting started. Anything we need to know already, or is it just, just kind of the early stages here? Early stages, you know, they, they got a lot of depth. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a young team kind of rebuilding, but they got three wins at the season opening quad, which is big because they've had 13 straight winning seasons. And it might get, it, you know, every win's going to count this year potentially. They might want, have to piece this thing together to finish over 500 again. So to get three wins in this quad to beat Pitt Johnstown, which is the number one ranked division two team in the country. And in wrestling, you know, division two team, a lot of times is division one caliber kids. who have got some academic issues or some off the mat issues. They just kind of go there and try to, you know, build themselves back up to go division one. Women's basketball, I believe opens up this week at South Alabama Interesting opener. Vivian taking the team down there because they've got so many kids from Alabama and the southeast. 
on the roster now. So they're about to get going. So everything's kind of kicking into high gear here. And obviously, 150th anniversary, Wednesday night of the event at the Performing Arts Center. Barry Alvarez will be there, Jim Delaney, Pat Hobbs, Marco Battaglia, I think Brian Leonard, a bunch of former players and Maybe, maybe no Greg Shiano. All right. Well, fellas, no matter what happens, I can assure you it's going to be another <laughs> interesting week. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to retell it all. I'm sure there's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. But for now, welcome back, Cotter. Let's play that theme song again next week, only maybe not. Steve Politi signing off. James Kratz, Keith Sargent, thanks for listening.